welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your hostess with the mostest, queen of burnout and sass, mother of dragons, currently chicken hoarder. That is the new title that I'm adding. I officially have 23 chickens and six guinea fowl. I think it was a mistake to get the guinea fowl. I'm not going to lie. They're assholes most days. So, you know, you live and learn. So we'll see what happens with them. But there's only six, so they're not going to rule the world. But anyway, it is autumn here. We are right now gearing up for the Thanksgiving weekend. You're probably listening to it afterwards. I hope that you had very minimal holiday drama. And if you are sticking to a certain form of eating, I hope you weren't challenged too much. I know for me, I'm a sweets fanatic and I don't pass up desserts. In fact, we eat desserts first at my Thanksgiving because why run out of room for the best part of the meal? So anyway, I have got a great conversation today with a new listener turned guest, which if you haven't learned yet, I love that. So if you're thinking out there in podcasting world, OMG, I'd love to talk to Erin. You just send me an email. It's so easy. It's in the show notes. We'll get you set up. Sometimes my schedule's crazy. Sometimes I get tired and I cancel things, but I will make it happen at some point. So please, I would love to do a series on listener turn guests. I want to hear from you. You have interesting thoughts and ideas and great stories. And I just want to absorb all of that. But on that side tangent, I need to talk to you about Suhei Pedra. She's my guest today. Suhei Pedra is an IRS enrolled agent with 20 years experience with certified tax preparation. She likes to make her clients' money work for them so they don't have to work forever. Amen, sister friend. In her daily work as the co-founder of the Prominence Business and Wealth Management, Suhei supports high-earning service-based business owners and us as professionals achieve their long-term money goals through holistic approaches to financial services, providing bookkeeping, tax preparation, financial planning, and tax strategy under one roof. People, if you do not have someone that you can work with, you are missing out. My life got infinitely better when I hired someone to help me. So if you don't have someone, you need to talk to Suhei. Anyway, we're going to jump into a great conversation today. We talked all about no longer dreading tax day. I know you're going to love it. Okay, here we go. Hey, Sue. Hey, how are you today? Hey, 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 Erin. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited. When I was getting ready for our conversation today, I know that you had been a listener before, and I always love to talk to people out in podcasting world to become real life friends. And so tell everybody else out there a little bit about yourself and the magic you're putting into the world. Of course. Well, thank you. So again, my name is Suhei Piedra. I'm an enrolled agent and taxes are boring. And so we bring a little personality and sass to taxes. But I've been doing taxes for 20 years. I'm a mom of two. So they know that when it's tax season, you know, I typically have to kiss them and uh, goodbye and see them in April. But over the years, I've discovered that taxes do not have to be that bad, that we can definitely turn around how we feel about taxes if we're a little more proactive. And so I came up when um, I started my business. And now I have a proactive mindset. And so I meet with my clients more during the current calendar year than 
even then after for tax preparation. So that has made a huge shift, a huge difference because people are excited now to see the results of us meeting throughout the year, projecting and, you know, just being more proactive with strategies and really cool things that we could do so that the tax return looks the way we want it to look and not just how a computer spits it up. Keep that money. Absolutely. Yes. Have you listened to the episode where I talk about where I fired my husband's accountant? <laughs> no, not that You'll one. have to go back and write. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it right here now. Is it titled that way though? <laughs> I think it is. Yes. How I fired my husband's accountant and got a new one. I have to, I have to look You'll have to look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. I can't remember what number it is at this point. But essentially, he's an old white guy. I went to him to have him start doing the bookkeeping for my business. And he was like, okay, so I'm going to need you to print out all the stuff and bring it to me. And I was like, hold, hard stop. I am an online business. Everything (laughs) is electronic. And he was like, I think we can make it work. And I was like, but you're not doing it on the computer. No. And I said, and you don't do email. No. I was like, okay, but bye now. And then, and then the next thing is once I found a bookkeeper, then I was like, holy shit, this is so much easier when come around to tax season and you're going to do all our taxes now. One, because I wasn't going to be talked down to as Craig's wife. Hello, I make the money. And number two, I was just, it's fucking 2020. It is time to update. And this accountant, the other thing when I sat down with him, he had so much fear, fear of the government coming after you and fear about this and the regulations and the rules, which yes, I hire professionals so that they know those things, but I don't need all that fear bullshit baggage poured out on me as well. That's part of your job. So I am so glad to have another representation on here of someone who can empower us professional women and professionals in general that tax season can actually be like dare I say fun when you see how much money stays in your bank account. Right. And it's really, it's about the goals, right? What is the client's goals? And we just work around and design the return to that look that way. Now, everybody fears the IRS. We all have this fear against the IRS. And look, I'm here to tell you the IRS is not bad. The IRS is there to regulate, right? The rules, but the rules were designed by attorneys to help keep more money in our pockets. It's just the IRS and everybody that this fear that they have feel like, well, if I design the return in my favor, then I'm breaking the law. And that is not true. The tax code is full of amazing nuggets that we could use to help you, but not every accountant takes the time to do so. And that's what you need to find is you need to find a tax preparer that is going to help you keep more of your hard earned money in your pocket. And not necessarily just prepare something and then data punch some information in the system and say, here you go. I use the tax to guide us, to guide us to make sure that it's going to meet the goals that you have, whether it's early retirement, purchasing power. I mean, we use that thing like crazy. I project my clients' tax returns minimum four to six times a year just to make sure that things are on track with what we want it to do so that at the end, there's no surprises. No surprises. I have to say this past tax year for 2022, my accountant, because actually my husband still uses his old accountant, but my (laughs) accountant came back and said, hey, you guys are going to owe a significant amount of money. Here's some strategies where we can get this down. We got stuff submitted to her. Boom, bang, boom. We actually got a little bit of money back. 
Exactly. Right. Because there was still time in the year to do so. And, you know, most of the time I have clients that have a business and we can proactively take some deductions if we need them or invest in in different things. Right. But sometimes we have professionals that are W-2 earners and there's not much we could do. The IRS code is very limited for the tax code. I keep saying IRS code. The tax code is very limited for the W-2 earner. The W-2 is meant to pay all the taxes. And I'm so sorry, but that's just the way it's designed. So we have to get creative and figure out what is it that we could do to help? What other strategies are out there that a W-2 individual can still take advantage of? And there are, and there are really cool things out there. I'm big on real estate. So I help a high earning individuals say, hey, look, you're stuck paying this huge tax liability, but guess who loves you? Lenders love you. Lenders love you because all you have to show is your W-2, they pre-qualify you, and here you go. You can buy your first rental, your second rental, duplex, you know, or whatever. And so I'm big about investing, especially for, I'm in California, so my California professionals uh, invest in properties out of state. And we could easily put a, a down, a smaller down payment in a property out of state than it would be here in California because everything in California is so expensive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's break those down a little bit because I was having a conversation with my BFF, Dr. Kara Pepper. She transitioned out of a W-2 job to running her own telemedicine practice focused on eating disorders and longitudinal care and her coaching practice. By the way, people, she has a podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's amazing. Okay. Anyway, coming back from the side note, she was like, Aaron, what the fuck is up with these quarterly estimates that I have to do now as a 1099? Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's break them down. Let's talk it because there is so much exploration you can do as a 1099 entrepreneur There's some cool things you can do with investing when you work for yourself and own your own business. And then we'll jump back to the W-2 earners. So talk to me a little bit about 1099 and and those people are out there who I would say either are doing entrepreneurship, but are like scared of the taxes when it comes to entrepreneurship. So once you jump over from W-2 to a 1099 individual, or you start off a business, You have to remember that you're making money without paying the man. No taxes have been withheld. And when you work for a W, when you have a W-2, if you look at your paycheck, you know, you made 5,000, but you only get $3,800 in your pocket. Why? Well, because a portion went to federal taxes, state taxes, depending where you're at, social security, Medicare, and all those great things, right? Well, when you're self-employed, all of a sudden you make 5000 and you get 5000 in your pocket. You don't have those deductions other than some expenses to reduce that by. So you have been walking around throughout the year without paying any of those taxes. And the reason there's no withholdings on 1099s, it goes because that's the beauty of a 1099. You get 5000 but I'm going to reduce my mileage. I'm going to reduce my cell phone. I'm going to reduce my internet, my home office, my supplies, whatever, right? So at the end, let's say I'm only going to, I'm supposed to only pay taxes on, I don't know, $3,000. Well, that's the portion that now you need to estimate your quarterlies on and say, you know, yes, I brought in 5000 less $2,000 of expenses, leaves 3000 of taxable income. And now my quarterly needs to send in, you know, 10%, 15%, depending on what your tax bracket is. 
And that's what your quarterly is based on. But a lot of individuals, once we're self-employed, we're so busy with helping grow the business that we forget the back office stuff. We forget to keep accounting of our well, how much money has come in, how much money has gone out, what is really our profit, and then paying the taxes on that portion. This is why it's really important that when you start, that you start, even if it's an Excel spreadsheet, we have one available on our website that you can download or a bookkeeper that keeps track of what comes in on a monthly basis for your income, less those expenses, and then your profit. So that at the end of that quarter, you can say, all right, I made, you know, $15,000, in profit this quarter. Now I have to send in my share to Uncle Sam. And so you have to always remember that you're walking around without paying those taxes. So I, I hate when people have, when they get presented this huge tax bill at tax time, because that $20,000 bill that you received could have easily been, you know, a thousand, two thousand $2,000 each month that you could afford to send in had you known that that's what you were supposed to do. So I encourage people to either get with their tax professional early on or the bookkeeper, an Excel sheet that helps them keep track of that so that they know what they're due, you know, what's going to come due at the end of the year. I just thought of something that we probably need to define. Tell me, I'm pretty sure I know, but tell me and everybody listening the difference between a bookkeeper and a tax professional, because there's a difference. Oh, there is. Yes, of course. So a bookkeeper is going to be, it's what it is, book, book, she's keeping your books. She's keeping track of the income and the expenses, and she puts them in a category. So maybe she uses QuickBooks or some other accounting software, which again, you can use yourself too, but there's a certain point that I, I value my time. So I'm like, is it more value for me to keep my books? I don't even do my own books. Is it more, you know, valuable for me to do my books or for me to go out and get money to bring in, right? So at a certain point, you just have to determine what's more valuable to you. But a bookkeeper is going to be the individual who is going to keep track of the money coming in, the expenses going out, putting them in a, in a, in a category so that at the end of the year, you can print or every month that, you know, print a profit and loss statement to show what is really your true net profit in the business and what is your tax liability going to be like? So the bookkeepers may not tell you what your tax liability will be, but they will tell you what your net profit is, which your tax liability will be based on. So we all have different professionals. Some of us have a bookkeeper, a payroll specialist, a tax professional, financial advisor, attorneys. You want to make sure that all of your professionals talk to each other because one number affects the other profession and the other decision and the other goal that you that you're setting. So you want to make sure that as you being the middle person that you create this link between them all because they all need to be aware of what's happening with you. At the end of the day, they're all working for you and the control you have is amazing. It's just none of us really know or utilize it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for clearing that up. Okay, let's flip over to the W-2 side. You've already said Uncle Sam takes his part first. He gets the first big chunk of the cake. Talk a little bit about how we can help ourselves out if we're employed and doing a W-2 stub. Yes. So when you're a W-2 earner, like I said, the strategies just reduce tremendously. There's not a, a whole lot that we can do. There's still things that we can do out there. But when we're W-2 professionals, 
what I mentioned earlier was what we do have that sometimes a self-employed individual does not have is called purchasing power. Our tax returns show really high numbers. We pay taxes on really high numbers versus when you're self-employed, you try to reduce it as much as possible, trying to pay the least amount of taxes as possible. And so therefore, the W-2 earner will sometimes end up with a higher purchasing power. The lenders love purchasing power. And so in our firm, we have created a, it's a monthly membership group of individuals that are interested in creating real estate portfolios that will create tax-free income. So what I kind of, not coach, but what I want my clients to see that are high W-2 earners is, yes, we can go purchase rental properties, but do we really want to create more taxable income? So the goal of this membership or the goal of this uh, group is that we design it, we we go out and and get rental properties, but the goal is that we create tax-free income. So those rents that you're receiving, let's set them up so that they get tax-free benefits so that you're not paying more taxes on more income. So it's kind of a neat strategy that we've set up. But it does take a little time. It's it's a group effort, not just me telling you what to do. It's some things you you have to do. And if you want them, then it, it turns out really beautifully. Absolutely. We were talking before we jumped on the podcast about professionals overpaying in taxes. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yes. It, it was something that I discovered early on. I have a sister who's a registered nurse and she was just frustrated. She would always be like, look, I'm, I, you know, I make this money, but none of it comes home and looking at it, breaking it down. That's where it really started. And I was like, look, I can help you, but we have to, dis- we have to look at your taxes in a different kind of a way. And so we sat down and we looked at how much she was bringing home, how much she was truly making, and then what the goals were. So she was like, I want to buy my house, but everything is so expensive. How do I save when I don't even have enough money left to save? So we had to look and figure out ways that we could have that tax-free income through her retirement account or, you know, things like that, funding, you know, HSA, whatever we could do to try to put some money aside. But at the end of the day, it was like when the more money you make, the more money you're being taxed. And so unless you sit down with a professional to help you really figure out a way that the goal is to have tax-free income... It's just really hard because our day to day is to be in that rat race, right? To be in this rat race of making money, paying taxes, then you pay your student debt. And it's like, what's left for me? There's very little, if anything, left for the individual themselves. And so what do they want? A raise or they want a better job and they go make more money. But guess what? They're still in the same boat. More taxes are being paid. And so at the end of the day, it's just very frustrating unless you sit with somebody that will help you try to mitigate those as much as legally possible. So, so far you've mentioned real estate, you've mentioned HSA, which are health savings accounts. Yes. You mentioned retirement funding. What other like broad sweeps of entities can people be looking at to keep more of their own money or at least invest it in things that will later on turn into tax-free income? I mean, anything and everything, once we sit down and figure out what clients really want, some of them start businesses. 
Some of them will have a spouse that has, you know, a business. So we take advantage of things that are already on the return or things that they wanted to do, but they couldn't, they didn't know how to, or they don't have the time to. And so that's where we come in and we help clients really take a look at what is it that they want to do and what's preventing them from taking that leap or, you know, taking that action. Sometimes it's just a matter of a little bit of help. So what I utilize my client, you know, my time with my clients is let's assume that you're my client and, you know, you have to come in and you're going to give me 30 minutes or an hour of your time. Well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring in that other professional at the same time because I know how valuable your time is and get them in the same meeting so that we can achieve what the goal is. So sometimes I'll get financial advisors in here. And together, we strategize to figure out ways that you can get, I don't know, another strategy in there. Some doctors like to invest in the the oil and gas funds. Great. Well, which one? What are the, you know, what are the risks involved? What are the uh, pros and cons of it? What's the entry? What is that going to look like on your return? So I'm projecting everything while we're in that meeting so that guess what? You have the recommendation from the advisor, but you also have the tax consequence right there with you so that you can make a decision. There's also exit strategies. Once you enter into any type of strategy, is there a consequence when you exit it? So guess what? I'm going to project that five years down the line. What is that going to look like? So that you know what is really happening, have a clear picture to help you make those decisions. So I want to talk about goals next, because I think that's really important. I'm laughing because I'm going to tell you my financial goals. <laughs> Are you ready? You want? Just kidding. <laughs> okay, I want to own a Dairy Queen because those are big in Midwest culture. <laughs> I want to own it. I don't want to work at it. I don't want to do anything inside of it. I just want to own a Dairy Queen, and when I roll in there, I can get me a Mister Misty. That's what yeah. I want. Num- number two. This one's more down to earth, but I want to provide affordable, clean and sober living for families in Mm -hmm. my area who struggle with poverty and substance use disorder. Mm -hmm. And so that to me looks like creating this little community of multifamily living units. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but that's kind of on there as well. And the other thing I want to do financially is I want to have at least two scholarships at my med school for farm kids who don't have parents as doctors to help them out. Those are all amazing. So (laughs) can you tell I thought a lot about them? But they're meaningful, right? They all have a little bit of you in them. Like you, you, you have very specific reasons why you want what you want, which is great. A lot of us say we have goals, but we don't even have those specifics. And, you know, we haven't even thought of those specifics. So, and you do, which is great. So what I would advise is you create them, you create your little bubbles of where you're at and where these goal, where these goals line up. And then what I would do is I always, uh, let's work backwards, right? So let's find out what is it going to take for you to create those? Because getting the multi-units is going to require one thing. Getting the dairy queen where you're not involved is going to require other. And then the scholarships is something totally that's going to have probably the least amount of the requirement. So I would line them up that way and then go in and, and figure out what is it going to take. So meet with the professionals, right? The scholarship, I'm in the process of doing something similar with the local high school. So it's not going to be very difficult, right? But you want to know, you want, well, how much do you want to donate into the scholarship? Where do you want the money to come from? Do you want another of your investments to fund it? 
Is it going to come from your profits? Like, where is this money going to come from? Design it and then work backwards so that you know what it takes. And then you're working towards that goal proactively. You have a clear path of what it takes to achieve it. When we have these dreams, we don't have that clear path. So we're kind of wandering around. And then maybe sometime in the future, we may stumble upon it. But we could have gotten there very much quicker had we had a clear path of what it takes to own a business. Is it just an investment? Do you have to get qualified? What are the qualifications? What prevents you from doing it today? But now you're working at it for the future. When I have clients that want to purchase their first multi-unit or their first primary residence, it doesn't matter. It's like, what does the lender want? Let's go meet with the lender. Let's see what they're going to ask you for. They're going to be like, okay, well, we need a down payment of X because that's how much the property is going to be worth. We need your credit to be this. We need your fine, you know, your, your adjusted gross income to show this. And so I'm like, look, now we know exactly what we need to paint this picture for you. We need to make sure that your income is reflected here. Make sure you don't you overutilize your debt because we want your credit, you know, your credit score to be this. And now by the time you save the down payment, you bumped up your credit score. You've done everything you needed to do. Your taxes look great. And so when you walk into the bank to say, okay, I'm ready, there's no reason for them to send you back because you've already lined up all of your ducks. Everything looks beautiful and your goal can be achieved. So working backwards to me is always has, you know, has been the quickest way for us to create that path, paint that path, and then just follow it. I love it. We've talked a lot about what you do, how easy this can be working (laughs) with the right person. No, seriously. I mean, I think I know how to do a lot of things, but I don't know how to do what you do. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't want to spend hours on the internet or taking a fucking real estate course or whatever. (laughs) Some other people love that shit. I just want to be like, all right, here it is on my post-it note. Can we, how do we figure this out? So talk about, talk about your online presence and, and talk about your podcast too. Cause I think that'd be a great place for people to start like gleaning some amazing knowledge. Yes. So the, the podcast started, it's, it's called tax talk with Hey, Hey. And so what I wanted to do was talk more tax stuff and, you know, give everybody just some little bit of the knowledge that I have. Cause I can just take off. But at the end, it ended up being where I was just sharing other professionals and what they do and their might and what it takes to really be an entrepreneur. As you know, we all feel very, sometimes very lonely in the sense of who do we ask? Um, How do I know? How do I get this information? How do I get that? This is what I want, but how do I get there kind of a deal? And And make sure you're not getting scammed either. Right. And who do you trust? Right. Who do you trust? And so... I realized that throughout the years, I had built a really cool database of professionals that I work with every day because, and why I trust them is because I'm already working with them, whether it's with one client or another, or I refer business to them and we have this working relationship. And so I started to bring them on to the podcast and it, you know, it turned out really great. I still will throw in, you know, a couple of things on talking about quarterly estimates or reasonable compensation or whatever, you know, so you'll find those in my podcast. But at the end of the day, everybody is very unique with their tax situation and their goals. And since I help design a tax return that meets those goals, 
the tax advice changes for everybody. So that what that's why we kind of pivoted there a little bit. But yeah, I mean, you know, all our social media, I'm, I'm very active in, in, in trying to put stuff out there. So people get to know me, get to know how I think, because I think that's the most important part is knowing that I'm not going to be your typical tax accountant who just takes your data and doesn't talk to you. We're going to talk. <laughs> We're going to gossip. <laughs> and I love your website, prominencebusiness.com. And you have your sisters at the bottom. I do. My sisters and I which is crazy for some people, how we work together. We all founded this business with that family feeling, but we love helping people. And so when we created the business, uh, I became the tax person. My sister Cruz does all the bookkeeping. And then my sister Brisa, she's like the operation. She helps us run this thing. Clients will email me and be like, I haven't heard back from you. I'm like, you got to email Brisa. She's the one that pulls the whip around here, you know? <laughs> But yeah, it's been great. I, I love what I do and I love working with my sisters and we have other individuals that we, you know, we have here in the office, but the team is just really good and family oriented. I love that. I really like do. Well, friend, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your heart and the work that you do. It's so important, especially for us who are out there busting our butts to bring home a little bit more of that bacon. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate. And no, I, you know, thank you for having me. When I heard about your podcast, I did not expect it to be what it is. And I love it. It's hilarious. But yet you bring on amazing people and you share a lot. And so thank you for that. friend. So my word of the year for 2023 is going to be slacking for two reasons. One, I am really going to pull back the throttle in 2023 and see what life is like when I just do enough, not extra, not overboard, not overworking, burning myself out, burning candle at both ends, slacking, something I don't think I've really ever done my entire life. I'm excited about it, but I'm also worried, of course, <laughs> the classic OCD overworker, how this is going to be. The other reason that slack is going to be my word in 2023 is that's where I'm going to hang out. You're not going to see me in a lot of new places. I'm just going to be waiting for you in my DMs on Slack. Yeah, I'll probably occasionally post on Instagram and still send out a few emails but you're going to see a change in Burnt Out to Badass and Dr. Me First. You're going to just see me waiting willingly and quietly in the corner for those who are ready for help. No more blasting lots of advertisements and marketing and pushing people. When you're ready, you'll come and we're going to see how it goes. So there you go. That's my word for the year. How about you? Have you picked a word? I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email. Better yet, send me a DM in Slack. Or maybe you want to join me and let's make this the year of slacking. All right, friend. Remember, if work is your drug, rest is your recovery. Come over and hang out with Slack and me and start slacking off a little bit in life.
Let's run to 